Welcome to The Working Therapist with Hayden Bolick, a podcast designed to help you grow more, do more, and be more as a therapist. The Working Therapist is an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. We're glad you've joined us for today's podcast. So here's your host, Hayden Bolick. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of The Working Therapist. I'm Hayden Bolick with Kirstie Miles, and I am super excited today because we are talking about speech topic. Woo-hoo. And it's about echolalia, which I think is so cool because I love little people. It's kind of like little, I like these little people that tend to demonstrate a lot of echolalia, which is basically where you just repeat things like kind of like I say they're on like a loop tape you know I think these little people are so interesting because I think of the variety of kiddos that we work with this particular group I think they've got so much potential and knowledge and information and you just got to figure out the right puzzle and the right pieces and put them in the right way and they're not helping you <laughs> which I think is even cooler so you got to figure it out so I love this little group of people so for this particular group I think they're functioning sort of like peripherally to the rest of the world they have their own agenda. They have what's happening in their little world, and they're going to sort of make that happen. And they're just kind of responding just because they're responding because it's what they're socially supposed to do, but they're not really engaged with you. So when you say loop tape, it reminds me of Liam. He's going to be 10, but... He's your son. Yes, uh, (laughs) but he was born premature. Mm -hmm. And so whenever they come out of the bedroom in the morning or after school, we usually say, you know, how was your day or how did you sleep? And so naturally, he's kind of getting older. So I'm like, what's up? (laughs) And the response is still good. That's a weird response for what's up. I'm like, good. (laughs) He's just confirming like in the morning, he's just confirming existence. He's not really... Right there. I'm like, okay, good. That's good, I guess. I'm awake. I'm living. I'm breathing. Mom, don't bother me. (laughs) But just when you talk about the loop tape, that's what it reminds me of. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's a perfect example because that's what's happening to some of these little kiddos. Like Liam, he's going about his morning. He's got stuff to get done. He's got stuff to do. Book bags, shoes, brush your teeth, eat breakfast, whatever else. Check out ESPN. I don't know what else he does in the morning. And he's he's like, yeah, just good. Whatever. I'm confirming existence. I don't really know or care what you're saying. You're, yeah, you're still here. That's positive information, like for him, you know, like, hey, as the mom, you're still here. That means things are going to happen in my world like they're supposed to, (laughs) right? (laughs) So he's just like, yep, you see me, I see you, I got stuff I got to get done, right? (laughs) Yeah, so basically, which is kind of what these little people are doing at a different type of level and way, but basically, they're just repeating a lot of what you say because They've learned this sort of an expected response, you know, but they're not really tuning into what you're saying, meaning they're not really necessarily listening to what you're saying, not at a meaningful level. So, for example, if you're saying to the kiddo, do you want to go outside? And they say, do you want to go outside? They might really want to go outside. And maybe that's why they're imitating that, because they really do want to go outside, but they don't know how to independently communicate that, except for just to repeat you. But that could be happening. And they do understand what you're saying because they're repeating that. So that's what sometimes some kids do. Other kids just repeat everything. So you could say, do you want to go outside? And they'll say, do you want to go outside? But they don't care about going outside. You know, so you kind of have sometimes different types of echolalic behavior. Sometimes some kids with echolalia will just repeat like their favorite video or parts of their favorite video in different times. And it doesn't really have to do it with anything you're talking about. I had one little kid who used to sing the Carolina fight song all the time. He was one of my favorites because of Carolina and UNC, I'm just saying, but just not, not really. but but he did. I'm he would sing sure that. I'm pretty sure you sang that song the other day in therapy. <laughs> I did because, uh, why did I do that though? I can't remember why. Because Maddie is a Duke fan. Oh, that's right. That's right. I did. That's good. Anyway. And I just looked up and was like, what, what is happening? What is going 
on over there? <laughs> well, we were doing therapy. Sure. Yes. That's what it was. Uh-huh. That's our story. And we're sticking to it. <laughs> so, anyway. So sometimes they're just repeating like, do you want red? Do you want red? Do you want blue? Do you want blue? They're just repeating kind of because it's sort of either an expected response. It's what they've been taught to do. Or there may have a certain level of meaning to it and maybe they can't communicate the true meaning. So there's different levels of echolalia. Does that kind of make sense? Some kids are just loop tape. They're just repeating whatever you say and they don't really care what it is because they're just repeating it. And then some kids that kind of are understanding what you're saying and cueing into certain words and they're repeating back what you say because they want whatever something is associated with what you're doing, but they don't have a way to functionally communicate it. Those are two examples of, of kids with echolalia. There are some other types where sometimes kids will just repeat like a single word. They may come out with some independent things here and there, but mostly they're just repeating what you say. No matter how you break it down and no matter what's happening here, at the end of the day, the echolalia is getting in the way of productive, functional communication. So it's our job as a speech therapist to figure out how to help this little person get to the next level. And that's what we're talking about today. So the first place to start with this is you want to pay attention to what this little person is doing. Just like what I said about the echolalia, you want to figure out kind of what is their level of comprehension and engagement and use of the echolalia. Are they using the echolalic speech to get what they want, meaning they're queuing into a single word and they're repeating it because that's what they do want? So are they using it sometimes to sort of communicate, but they're just repeating it back? Or are they just not getting anything you're saying and they're just repeating it back? So a lot of times what I'll do to sort of figure it out is what do they look like when they're engaging with others in play? How are are they playing with any other kids? Are they like the periphery kids? Do they just play around the corner of the room, like the outside and never engage in any of the middle stuff happening in the middle of the classroom or wherever else? You know, do they just sort of not fully engaged, maybe they dump out a lot of toys, they just kind of wander around, even in the therapy room, wander around, ask the parents a lot of questions about that. What do they look like when they're playing with toys? Do they like to switch from like, I saw a little girl maybe about two or three weeks ago, and she would get out a toy, and they would probably play with something for maybe 10 to 20 seconds, and I'm being very generous when I say that, and she would go, tell it bye-bye, tell it bye-bye, tell it bye-bye. So she had heard the therapist say, tell it bye-bye, tell it bye-bye, and that was her loop tape that she was using because she didn't want to engage with any toy at all. All she really wanted to do was dump stuff out, but then she realized she had to put it back again or she had learned the therapist wasn't going to go to the next thing. So she put it back in the box and told it bye-bye. And so then she was tell it bye-bye, tell it bye-bye, but all she really wanted to do dump stuff out. So she really wasn't engaging in play. Does that make sense? It does. And she kind of, this little girl, like if you think about it, she's like big as a minute. She's too tiny and she kind of floats around like a little butterfly. Like bleep, bleep, bleep. she just sort of floats <laughs> around and like lands on something for like about 10 seconds and then floats around and lands again and floats around and lands again. I was like, you're like a little butterfly and she's cute as a button too. But anyway, that's what she's kind of like, right? And so she's not really engaging. So that's one thing. Also, what does their eye contact look like? And I know this is a big thing. Speech therapists are about, oh, they need to make good eye contact. I've met a bunch of adults that are terrible at eye contact, honestly. And, you know, you can function just fine in this world without the best eye contact the whole wide world. There's strategies that if you don't like to engage in eye contact where you just like to look at somebody's eyebrows or their hairline or, you know, something like that. But those adults who do that, they understand what the other person is saying and they're engaging functionally and purposely and, and appropriately in, in social and, and communication and social interaction and stuff, but they just don't like to make eye contact. So for kids not making eye contact with me, I don't lose any lot of sleep over that, but are they not making eye contact with anything? Like, are they just sort of looking around objects, around people, and then the only thing they really look at is like a video? So they just sort of look around you. Like this little girl yesterday, or not yesterday, this little girl I'm talking about a couple weeks ago, she 
never really looked at the toy. She never really looked at the therapist. She never really looked. She just sort of looked around. Even when she went in the room, if you watched her eyes, she just never really landed on anything to take in a lot of information. So her eyes and her vision are just sort of like... They're not engaging either. Her speech isn't engaged. She isn't engaged with toys. Her visual contact with stuff is not really engaged. Tactically, she's not engaged because she's not playing with for any length of time. And so the next thing is their body. Like, how do they move? You know, mm-hmm. how do they sit? Uh, what do their hands look like? A lot of times kids who are real echolalic who don't engage, their little hands look like flippers. They're not like if you look at their the palm of their hands, they're kind of there's not any defined lines. There's not really good muscles. They kind of just are using their hands as like scooper things not like gripping and and punching and not punching like punching somebody but I'm talking like they can use their pointer finger to hit that iPad but like really using their hands you know so mm-hmm. I like to look at their body and what does their body look like and then I'm going to ask the question that I always ask so just wait for it you know what's coming how do they tell you they want something do I say this almost every single podcast Almost. I think so. At the end of the day, what do I do here? How do they tell you that they want something? That's the main. Well, if we're talking about a toddler, somebody learning to talk, it's all circle of self. The most important thing to them is them and what they need. Right. So how do they tell you they want something? Exactly. It's the question, the question that every speech therapist should ask. So that's what you need to find out. How do they tell you they want something? And that tells you a lot about their level of engagement. Also, if you look at those four things, how do they play? What does their eye contact look like? How do they move? How do they engage with toys? Tell me about their eye contact and their visual attention to anything really is what I'm talking about. How do they move with their body? How do they sit down? Do they flop down? Do they pay attention to what's around them? Do they flop on things? Do they pay attention? There's a chair and a person around. I always look at their hands. I don't know, but just their hands tell you a lot. And then also, how do they tell you they want something? All of that will tell you what kind of level of echolalia you're dealing with and really what you're trying to figure out is what do you understand? How engaged in the world are you getting? Is the only thing you're really engaging with is an iPad? Then I can figure out to go from there. So then what do you do? Here's my topic. So the first thing is, well, all of these come down to the same thing. You want to shake it up. You just really want to shake up their little world and not shake them. Let me back up. Don't shake them. Just shake it up. You know, let's throw them a little curveball here and there because we need to sort of get into their space. We need to get into their little world and we need to make it so they have to pay attention to us and they have to stop this periphery. This echolalia is just like this periphery overall general like, hey, like, good. I heard you. I've confirmed existence. (laughs) You know, we want to just, we want to get in their little space. So if you're saying to them, say red, and then they say, say red. And then if you're saying, say blue, and they say, say blue. And then if you say, do you want the hands or the feet? Hands or feet? Do you want the hat or the car? Hat or car? Then they're just repeating what you're saying and they don't care and they're snatching whatever you got in your hand because they want to play with the toy or or do whatever it is they want to do. So if you're just using auditory cues, then you need to include something else. So you got to think vision and you got to think tactile and movement. If we go to the vision stuff, then the first thing I do is I go to choices. So it's kind of auditory. So you're using sort of the same thing, but also you're visually, you're showing the choices. And I always do a thing they really want and a thing they could care less about. So do you want a cow or do 
you want a yellow block? And I always choose a yellow block because that's no fun, right? <laughs> I never pick something that I know that they're going to want. So I usually don't pick like a toy, though a yellow block's a toy, but not really something fun, right? So do you want some this or that? If they repeat the last thing, they're like, cow or yellow block? I'm like, oh, you said yellow block. And I give them the yellow block and it's tactile and it's right there. It's not a picture. It's an object. And I give them the yellow block and they kind of look like, what in the world is happening? Why did she give me this thing? And so then you hold them up again. You want the yellow block or the cow? And if they say yellow block or cow, then you give them the cow and they're like, oh, I got what I wanted. Yeah. And then you all right, do something. It's got to be short. And then you go back. You want the cow or the yellow block? It's not going to take many times to get the yellow block before they figure out that's not what I want. And then if they start to get frustrated. Then you go to the one thing. You want cow? Tell me. Tell me with your words. And I try not to give them the model immediately, the auditory cue back. I try to give them the visual and a point and take their hand and touch the cow. And you know what I'm saying? So that they have to tell me the cow because they probably already know the cow is a cow. They just have to try to say it. Go ahead and start with the choices because then it's what I called a delay model. Meaning you gave them the model, the auditory, you're trying to use them what they're used to. You're now incorporating vision. So you've thrown something else into the little world and you're giving them a choice and you're making them accountable to their choice. So they have to choose it and you're making them have to pick and get what they picked you know, which can go good or bad for them, depending on what they pick. I hope they don't pick that yellow block. Well, they'll get that yellow block if they pick it. <laughs> <laughs> and they don't usually like it. <laughs> so then they start reaching for the cow. So then you got to move into something, which is awesome. But then you got to get them to use the word cow. So then you want to do that. So then that's when you do the other things. You point to the cow and cow, tell me cow and point to it and have them try to say it. You try to hold off that model directly. So it's not like say cow and they're like, say cow. Uh-uh, it doesn't work. Because that's what they'll say is the whole thing. Say cow. So then to help with that, then I go to using pecs too. Because pecs, basically what it does is take a word if you think about a word, you can't see, smell, touch, feel this word. And these kids need to see, smell, touch, feel something because they're periphery. So they're not really engaging in anything, right? They're just sort of overview. So I like a peck because then you can touch it, feel it, hit it, put it on the floor, hand it to me, give it to you, that kind of thing. So I like to go to picture cards, old school. I don't use the iPad. I use a picture card that I print off and laminate old school because I don't want to do the iPad because there's already too much engaged with the iPad. Nothing against an iPad, but I want to go to a picture card. And so then I want for them to hand me that, you know, maybe they hand me the picture of the swing to make it go, or maybe they hand me the picture of the cow. Or if I want to work on two words, I can say, I do a verb, always a verb. So the picture card's a verb and then the object is the cow. So jump cow. So then I go to building the sentence. Once I can get them to the choices, then I have them build the sentence with the picture cards because they need to have something physically they can engage with. Because if it's like yellow block or cow, then they choose the cow and they can say cow now. Maybe it's not imitating. And then I'm saying, okay, tell me, say jump cow. So I give them the model of jump cow and then I'm going to fade it. So what do you want it to do? And I touch the jumping part. And at the same time, I'm showing them the cow jumping up and down like with the hand. My hand, the cow is jumping up and down. They've already can say it. They already know it. These kids already know it. They can already say it. You just want to get them so they're not directly imitating you and they're saying it independently. That's mm-hmm. what the goal of this is. More initiation. Mm-hmm. And so the last thing I do is tactile. So it's not just auditory anymore. Remember, I'm going back and reviewing now. Not just auditory. You're using objects. You're incorporating vision. Tactile. You're getting them to touch something. Handing something the wrong thing they want. Stick it in their lap. And you're using picture cards. That's tactile vision. That kind of thing. So not just auditory anymore. But then the a big tactile or movement thing. So 
now moving from tactile more to movement is let's get them moving and let's do something with their body that mixes it up. That's not what's expected. So for example, if you got them on the swing with a mat underneath them, you're swinging them kind of low and they're expecting you to keep swinging them. And then all of a sudden safely and not on their head, you dump them off, right? They didn't expect that. Like what, what? She dumped me off of the swing. What? Especially if they want to swing. And then so it's going to kind of throw them off a little bit. Or they got to hold on. Or instead of the swinging it round and around, you kind of shake it up. Or you turn it in a different direction they're expected. So they have to sort of hold on and hold their body on. So there's making them accountable. They're having to hold their body in a certain way to keep swinging or something. So it makes them pay attention to what's happening. So they're engaged. Or you want to have them do something with heavy balls. Like I love that thing where they throw the heavy balls of the trampoline. The different heavy balls weigh different things. So different times the heavy balls are going to go in different directions because they weigh different amounts. You know what I'm saying? You know my heavy ball trick. And then, or the oh, climbing wall. <laughs> they have to climb the wall and hang on because it's only them that's keeping them on the hanging wall. Now, they're underneath a mat, so if they fall off, you're right there. You're not just going to let them go climb up the wall. But a climbing wall is a great activity for these kids. But not everybody's got a climbing wall. But you just want to do something where you have to mix up their little body. You know, even if you have nothing and you're sitting on the floor and you're doing like row your boat and you're holding hands and they're rowing back and forth with you, all of a sudden, instead of going back and forth, back and forth, you can go to the side, you know? Or if you're doing ride a little pony and they have to fall off the pony, like if you sit them on your knees and you're ride a little pony up in town or up to town or wherever you're riding the pony, and then <laughs> all of a sudden they fall off. Just do something where they have to do something different with their body. And I bet you're going to get longer than 10 seconds of interaction, too. And then you use a picture card to get them to do it again. So you're not saying, do you want to row your boat? So they could do, you want to row your boat or the yellow block? Because <laughs> if block. you say row your boat last, they're probably just going to say the last row thing, boat, right? Uh-huh. And then I, that's what I use also, use picture cards. That's the only time I use a picture card because row your boat is, you know, you have to probably use a card for that. So then a picture card or physical yellow block or maybe a picture of a yellow block potentially in that situation. And I'll keep mixing the choices up. So then they got to tell me, boat. I want boat. So you want to break that echolalic cycle. And so basically what it is, is involving vision, involving tactile, involving movement, involving all of those things that the rest of their bodies to make them engage. That's how you get past this echolalia stuff. They're very fun kids. But your therapy session also each time should have a structure and that means you got to do something to get something. And it should be fast paced because they'll get bored and they'll kind of flow off to their own little thing as well. But what you do each session should change so they don't get too used to it. And no iPads, not for these kids right now. So that was fun, Kirsty. <laughs> <laughs> In a nerdy speech therapist kind of way. You know, you know what? Uh, one little story. When I worked at Disney World a long time ago, I had to teach people how to snorkel. And so a lot of times people come through and they couldn't speak English. And I learned by the end of the summer, I would say, and I had to go through like for this five minute snorkeling spiel about cleaning out your mask and blowing through the tube and stuff like that. And a lot of times they couldn't speak English and I couldn't speak any other language. That's my shortcoming. I only got English and barely that sometimes. And so I would just say to somebody in the crowd, I would like, Hey, do you see that bug? And if nobody looked, all right, and on and out. <laughs> <laughs> oh so, so a lot of times these little kids are like, hey, there's a bug. And, but if they're not paying attention, they're like, all right, so you're not really engaged. You know, not that I would say there's a bug and not being disrespectful of anyone who doesn't speak English at all. That was my shortcoming that I had no other language I could speak. But I was also about 20 and, you know, 20 year old girls are not really all about accommodating for the rest of the world. And I was like, I'm not going to say that big old long spiel. Just blow it out of this tube. <laughs> You're good. Keep swimming. 
Make like Nemo. Breathe out of this tube. <laughs> Keep swimming. I'll see you on the other side. If you do it wrong, you're swallowing water. If you do it wrong, you're swallowing water. I'll be in the pool anyway. I'll come save you. It's all good. (laughs) (laughs) But so for these little kiddos, you know, they got to engage. And so you got to get them engaged. That's the name of the game for these little people. And that's the most fun therapy in the whole wide world to help them do that. You can make so much life-changing differences for these little kiddos by doing just some of these easy little things here. So don't identify, don't work on body parts, don't work on colors, because they're probably going to be able to repeat those. Who cares? If they can say red and blue, they'll get red and blue. They need to be able to say, I want to go get some ice cream without somebody Mm -hmm. saying it first, (laughs) because they're just going to get more frustrated and they're just going to discount the rest of the world because they're like, ah, nobody's getting what I need to, you know, it's frustrating for them, right? Who cares about colors? Who cares about body parts? Not at this point. That's not the most important thing. The most important thing is helping them to independently say stuff without them just repeating it. And if you're only using auditory, tactile, vision, movement. So you have to be a hallway speech therapist. There you go. You got to get out of there and just shake it up. Get up from the table. Thank you, Kirsty, for listening to me talk about this. Thanks, everybody else, for listening. I appreciate it. And we'll catch you next time on another episode of The Working Therapist. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Working Therapist an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. If you would like more information regarding this podcast or would like to get in touch with us for any reason, visit us on the web at www.pediatricdt.com. That's pediatricdt.com. 